Entrepreneur Weekly interviews the brilliant leaders of today in order to provide a stepping stone of wisdom on the journey to personal business ownership. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. All right, today we're going to do a test on ourselves. Today, we're going to talk to an expert on how to focus creativity, streamline productivity, and create media that audiences love. He calls it Lean Media. That's the name of his new book, Lean Media. Ian Lamont joining us, president, creator, and author, The Lean Media Framework. Ian, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Alan, thanks for having me on. So let's start out by talking about a little fact that you gave me that is astonishing. Uh, I come from the print world, as you know, Entrepreneur Magazine, the print world, although in the few years that uh, have passed, things have changed, and now they call it Entrepreneur Media because they have a video series, they have podcasts, they have radio shows, this one, and they have a magazine, and they have live events, and it's now just simply called Entrepreneur Media. The magazine stands on its own. Each one of these assets stand on their own. But when I heard your fact that 90% of the books that receive an advance from the publisher fail to even return that advance, I was I was kind of like, really? How could that even be? And I, it, it, it boils down to this. You have done a lot of research, evidently, because to write this book, you were probably shocked as well, which was the energy to keep you going on this book called Lean Media and all the rest I said. Talk about that. So, I mean, how could that be true? How, how can publishers make it with that staggering, horrible percentage rate of failure? When I was writing the book, I was doing some research into different types of media and how they actually perform. And some of the numbers were astonishing. And for the a few industries, especially uh, the music industry and the book publishing industry, the failure rate is extremely high. And that statistic is, this is, and I've seen variations of this statistic, but usually it's over 90% of books that receive an advance from a publisher fail to earn it back. Mm. And this is despite the fact that publishers have really good data on you know where books are selling and what trends are peaking, and they're making very informed decisions about the authors that they're choosing to write books. Some of them may have a very successful track record before, yet most of them fail to earn back that advance. And what's happening is the book industry really depends on the home runs. You know, the uh, the Malcolm Gladwells and the Stephen Kings and the successful romance writers and the people who are writing, you know, those books that seem to break out every year or they're written by authors with extremely established fan bases and they can depend on uh, those books basically carrying the rest of the uh, the failures. So it's very surprising for the book industry, for the music industry, it's a similar story. I don't have any updated information, but I think it's probably even more pronounced now because streaming media doesn't pay a lot of money to creators. I did get some numbers for the TV industry. So in the United States, for the big broadcasters, this would be NBC, ABC, uh, CBS, etc., they're producing new drama programs every year. It might be uh, you know, a primetime cartoon or a a mystery series or a soap opera or something else, yet most of them, more than 50% of these shows, they fail to last more than one season. And this is despite the fact that the broadcasters, they have access to fantastic data about what people like, about what's the best time slot to do something. They have great talent from script writers to actresses and actors and directors, yet they're still making things that people don't really want to watch that fail to resonate with audience. So mm. 
what lean media tries to do is give creators and media ventures a framework uh, to create media that has a higher chance of succeeding. Hmm. All right, let me take a break here. Uh, you guys, this man has done the research. But not only that, his career has spanned more than 25 years across three continents, including a stint in the British music industry and a six-year residence in Taipei, where he worked for a local broadcaster and newspaper. Returning to the United States, he developed websites and online communities and other digital projects for Harvard University and tech publisher IDG. Uh, that's just the first little bit. He knows his, what rhymes with a little bit? Shiznit. He knows his stuff. This is <laughs> Entrepreneur Weekly. We'll be right back with more Ian Lamont. Can't get enough of Entrepreneur Weekly? Check out our podcast on iTunes for even more content. Subscribe today. Listening to Entrepreneur Weekly. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. So, we're creating media right now. We're creating content, and content is king, as they say. And in every way, shape, and form, companies must create content to survive in this world because that's how they communicate. That's the voice of that brand, whatever it is, whether it's a craftsman tool company and working with the DIY community or, you know, whatever, the, the foodie network, you know, whatever the heck it is, you got to create content. It is feeding the hungry mind. So what is the best way to create content that resonates? And again, we're talking with uh, Ian Lamont. He is the author of Lean Media you ready? I have to. I have to give the, the the second part of the title because it says it all. How to focus creativity, streamline production, and create media that audiences love. I try to do that on this show, being authentic, being who I am, outing myself sometimes that I just don't know. Which there's nothing wrong with that. Asking the dumb questions because there are no dumb questions. Because believe it or not, some of the dumbest questions I've ever asked, thinking I was going to be embarrassed brought the best answer. So the dumb question for today is, what is lean media, Ian? Lean media is a way for media companies or media creators to create media that has a better chance of succeeding. And basically it boils down to a couple key principles. And the first one, and this is similar to other lean frameworks, such as lean startup or lean manufacturing, is to reduce waste. And the idea is for a media team what I tell them is it should be just big enough to make something great. And take the example of a band. You know, let's say that you have a band, they have five members, and they go out and tour. If you're doubling the size of that team, instead of having uh, one guitarist, you have two guitars. Instead of having uh, one drummer, you have two or three percussionists. Will that make the, the content that they're creating, the music, will that make it twice as good? And the uh, answer to that question is, in almost all cases, no, it won't. So what you need to do is to kind of have a team that's just big enough to make something great. Usually it means having very little overlap between the people doing the different things. So if you have a, uh, you know, Lady Gaga's band that she takes with her on tour, you know, people have very specific roles, what they're supposed to be doing. And the same could be true for Metallica. You know, there's, there are two guitars, but one of them kind of does the, the rhythm part of it. The other one does the lead guitar part of it. At the end of the day, and these guys, th these people are in business. 
It's right. It's you got to look at everything just because you're not manufacturing anything other than hot air or music or radio like we're doing right now doesn't mean that you have you can't you shouldn't actually you must look at it as a business and what is the business model and structure it right and be lean and mean i hear you i was watching the voice the other night and they played a song and the girl's voice was so beautiful and all they had was a lone guitar guy sitting there playing and i thought i love that it it's like it it is actually so beautiful that it wasn't this gigantic big production that cost a jillion times more. It was lean. It was beautiful. It was simple. Less is more. I'm just I'm trying to regurgitate some of my own thoughts for you. To, to I let you know that I'm tracking with you. That's how I run my business. I try and run it lean. I'm engineering this show. I'm picking the music. I'm doing everything. I'm by myself. Most people are like, you do that all by yourself? Yeah, I picked the songs while you're talking. I picked Lady Gaga. I'm going to pick, you know, whoever, whatever. I'm gonna, I'll tell you what's next coming up. The Monkees. I'm a believer. I love that song. <laughs> I do it all in real time, and I don't have a big crew because otherwise it would be just – it would be too much money. It wouldn't – there would be no profit in this. And it's a very lean radio. Everybody knows it's a very lean business. You've got to run it very carefully. It's a passion thing, you know. Not a lot of money in radio, only the very tiny little percentage like you talked about. 97% of the books that receive an advance do not even return that advance. It's the same thing. It's the top 3% of radio programming that actually makes money. Guess what? I may not be in that top 3%, but I bet I'm in the top 4% because I run such a lean ship. But keep going. we got another minute. I want to hear your, your thoughts on that. Yeah, and then the other side of, of reducing waste is actually reducing some of the bureaucratic overhead you see in some media organizations. And this is usually in the form of approvals from different people. Like you need the uh, sales team to sign off on something before it can get aired. Or, you know, the CEO has to say, all right, yeah, that the, uh, the manuscript looks good and we're okay to publish. In, for lean media, I really say, of course, you're going to have some necessary approvals. And, you know, for instance, the legal team may have to re- review your manuscript to make sure you're not violating any copyright or trademark. So th- th- that, that's a necessary approval. But does the, uh, you know, the salesperson for the, for the Northeast uh, market, do they really need to say yes or no or, you know, give their stamp of approval to something? Certainly, let them see it. But don't, don't add another two or three weeks to the uh, process so they, they can say yes or no. It's right. not necessary to the vision that you're trying to, uh, you're trying to bring yep. for your media product. I call it layers of stupidity. Let's remove some layers of stupidity. Uh, we're talking with uh, a gentleman here that is a multiple uh, award-winning from the Society of American Business Editors and Writers, along with everything else. I, your, your bio is way too long, but it's really good. Your book, by the way, can be found at leanmedia.org. For those listening, when we come back, we're going to ask Ian to be the professor and teach us how to go lean. It is Entrepreneur Weekly. Stay tuned. There's more Entrepreneur Weekly after these messages. Listening to Entrepreneur Weekly. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. On the line, we have the creator. That's what it says on here. President, author, and creator. He's Ian Lamont. Uh, leanmedia.org is his website. I'm sure you can find his book, Lean Media How to Focus Creativity, Streamline Production, and Create Media. 
that audience loves. The problem is most of us don't really know what our audiences want. I hate to say that, but so it's time for you to put on your your professor's cap and teach since you were what you were the guy over at Harvard University and you went to Boston University, Boston College of Communication. Help, Ian, please. <laughs> So one thing that I talk about a lot in lean media is you really have to understand your audiences. And this can be applied to many different types of businesses. You need to understand your customer in order to make a product or offer a service that they like. And for the media industry, it really comes down to making sure your audiences like or love what you're creating. Right. And unfortunately, a lot of companies and creators, creative teams, when they make media, they don't really understand what their audience is like until after the product is released. And then it will either sink or swim. But increasingly these days, there's so much competition out there, it will sink. And that's why we have numbers like 97% of books that failed to earn back their advance or TV programs, pilots that are, you know, launched and announced with lots of fanfare, and then audiences don't care about them. So in lean media, what I say is, Creators should try to understand their audiences at a much earlier stage in the production cycle. In fact, it can be as early as the idea being hatched. So let's say you want to write a new TV sitcom. You can take that script or you can have somebody create a storyboard and start showing it to people who are in your test audience, just seeing what they think about it. And the idea is it's not a popularity contest. You're not looking for, all right, well, 60% liked the script and 40% didn't like it. Uh, It's not like that. I mean, every media creator will have a vision. For instance, you said earlier that your vision is you want to be authentic, you want to be asking the dumb questions. This is the way that you want to do things. So you have that anchor, and then it's up to you to try to validate some different ideas against test audiences, see what they think about it, not just the quantitative data, not just like 60% yes, 40% no, but also the qualitative feedback that can help you understand what audiences want, and develop a product that they really like. So it can be as early as the idea being put out there, but it can also be as you're developing it. So maybe if you're recording a song, you can let audiences, maybe people in your fan club or test audiences, listen to a demo version of it and start to get feedback about it. Like, you how know, could it be How could it be improved? Here's what I'm thinking. I, I, as you're talking, I'm like, transparency. I'm thinking that's really, really important, is you have to be afraid to hear somebody say, hmm, I don't really like that. The ego is so involved with this process. The first thing you got to get out of the way is your big fat ego. You know what I mean? The other thing is if I think about who's doing the best job of that is those that are taking products to Kickstarter or the crowdfunding sites where they're like, here's what we're making. Here's what it's going to do. And you can help us make it by investing. Man, talk about a great way of getting feedback, right? Yeah, in fact, that's a great example because you do have a lot of different, not only physical products like a new drone, but also media products. Like video games are one of the most popular things to launch on Kickstarter. And these creators, they're getting back fantastic feedback from potential test audiences about what they want to see or what they expect. In the book, I have an example of another video game. It's not a Kickstarter project, but it did start out in a similar way. And it's the game Minecraft, which Probably every parent who has a, you know, a, a five-year-old or a 10-year-old knows what this game is. But the creator who created that, basically what he started doing was immediately putting out YouTube videos and test versions of the game on the Internet for people to comment on just to see what they thought about it. And then he would also bring actual real people, testers, into his apartment or into his office 
and watch them play the game and see how they played it and ask them questions about it. Mm-hmm. And Minecraft was later sold to Microsoft for a lot of money. But this is a creator who started out by listening to feedback at a very early stage, long before the official launch, and was able to create something that audiences really loved. All right. In one minute, give me your three principles of lean media. So the first principle is to reduce waste, and that involves cutting out bureaucratic overhead, kind of right-sizing your team. The second part of it is understanding audiences, and that means taking out a a test version of your media, whether it's a manuscript or a demo version or whatever, and letting test audiences experience it and getting feedback from them. And then the third thing is focusing your creativity. All media products, they come back to like the vision of the creator or the vision of the creative team. And you're using this feedback and you're using these lean teams to really focus that creativity and to develop something that audiences like. But if it's not working out, it's okay to to change course, to pivot to something else, or maybe start something that's completely different if you find that your test audiences aren't really getting into it at all. Beautiful. All right. Well, you guys now, you know that this is available to you because there's a book out there called Lean Media. And you can go to leanmedia.org. And again, we all want to know how to focus creativity, don't we? Yes. We all want to know how to streamline production. Of course we do. And who doesn't want to create media that our audiences love? That's what we are doing it for. Not to just throw a pie in their face and run. Now you want to feed them over and over and over again. You want them to return because you give them a slice of pie. And they're like, that's good. He puts love into what he does. Ian Lamont, thank you, my friend. Great job. Thank you for having me, Alan. All right. That's what we do here. We try to serve up something that is good. I'm Alan Taylor. There is more after the commercial break. This is Entrepreneur Weekly. You can find our podcast also at entrepreneur.com. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. There's more Entrepreneur Weekly after these messages. Discover unstoppable industry influencers who celebrate disruptive thinking and game-changing business strategies on Entrepreneur Weekly. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. It's my job to find these people he just spoke about. They're actually everywhere. And uh, being part of Entrepreneur Media, I find it's easier and easier all the time because they come looking for me. Uh, Our next guest is Nicholas Daniel Richards. He is the co-founder of Ship Hero. Let's talk about this for a moment. Uh, E-commerce. We just got done with the holidays. And how many people went shopping at the malls? I remember if you didn't go to the malls or the, the stores you went to and fight those crowds, you weren't able to buy your stuff for your friends and family and loved ones. Today... I have to imagine that the e-commerce world was going nuts. People stayed home. All my family members did it. They stayed home and they bought on the Internet. Now, then there's the shipping part of that. Well, maybe you own one of those companies that you're selling a lot more through e-commerce than ever before. In enters Ship Hero. E-commerce, of course, is exploding. The fulfillment can either make you or break you because if you're not ready for it, you know it's gonna it's gonna destroy you. Then you have to compete with like Amazon Prime, 
It's like, that is wonderful stuff. How do you do that? The small business struggles. So maybe Nicholas Daniel Richards, Ship Hero, ShipHero.com, S-H-I-P-H-E-R-O, ShipHero.com. Maybe he can help you. Maybe you could talk a little bit about what you guys do, Nicholas. Essentially, when you think of e-commerce, you think of going to a website, looking at some pretty pictures, and then, then adding it to your shopping cart, making sure you got it the right size, and then you buy it. And really what you're doing is you're kicking off a process uh, that's going on in the background where it can range anywhere from people running around with their heads on fire in a warehouse to hopefully if, if an e-commerce company is, is getting their fulfillment and their warehouse operations in order, they are getting that order they're able to process it accurately. They've got to make sure they're picking the right things and putting them in the box and shipping it to you on time. So there's all these things that need to happen. And people that are starting e-commerce companies and making beautiful products and selling them online, they're not necessarily people that had training or think about how to manage a warehouse because that right. stuff can seem rather boring. Well, and then there's the returns when you have somehow yeah. sent the wrong product and now that you know that's another issue but i, I gotta just stop you for a second and explain one thing that happened to me i'm still yeah. waiting for something that i ordered online oh boy three or four weeks before christmas i'm talking plenty of time so guess what i went on the website of the the company yeah. that i bought and man did i see hell I'm not the only one waiting for product. And you do not want those kind of comments in your life anywhere. So people are very vocal right. and able to, to, to tell the world what they're experiencing immediately. It's no longer that, you know, you can get away with this crap. So anyway, you continue. Yeah. So, so you bring up a good point, right? And that is, and I, I love your show. Um, and you, you've had some great speakers in the past Thanks. who have really talked about marketing and getting the word out there. So there are all these things you have to do to, to market yourself and get your message out. But guess what? There's a shortcut. That is uh, get the orders wrong, and, and people will start talking about you without you needing to spend any money on AdWords or Twitter or Facebook. So obviously you want to avoid that. And the best way to avoid it is, when someone is coming to your site and they're, they're buying something, it, I mean, it sounds really simple, but that order shows up on the doorstep. What they ordered, the right thing shows up in the box. It shows up when they expect it. And, yeah, for a small business, you are having to compete against the Amazon Prime, which right. is, you know, two-day pre-shipping, which is tough. But you want to make sure that that customer experience that has started once they've clicked purchase or that buy button, it's right. completed all the way through to the end where they actually get that thing and they're happy with what they bought. Or if they want to return it, they can do that easy too. Right. Well, it's funny. And I, I got, you know, I like, like everybody, I bought a lot of things on the internet recently and man, I bought these funny little flickering light bulbs. that look like flames, <laughs> you know, and, and I was, oh, yeah. right. Yeah. And I was so excited yeah. to get those. And they, they finally, by the way, just came like two days ago and I ordered a, a month ago. So, wow. you know, here I am again. Yeah. I was really, I actually decided, well, I've lost my money. It was like 78 bucks, I think, the whole total price of what I bought. But they came in. I was like, what? They actually came in. Would you ship light bulbs in a, a, a plastic bag? And all mm -hmm. that was there to protect those were the little box that they come in anyway. And it a couple. Like prayer. 
prayer was there to protect (laughs) Now, I haven't opened Um, all the boxes, but they were all kind of crunched. And, you know, but Uh, I was just so happy to get them. I thought at least I got them. But I could tell the difference between a company that got overwhelmed and and a company that is, you know, kind of planning and strategically ready for a wave of great business. You either, you know, a hero or you're a zero. And in your case, shipping. I'm going to use that. So there you go. it's challenging. Yeah. I mean, you and what we see a lot is it's just so easy to create an online store now. Creating a great product or you know how to get that product, you've got a lot of options in terms of how you create your online store. You've got Shopify, big commerce, brilliant platforms that just 10 years ago, you would not have been able to have done that. Right. But now what's happening is you've got people that are starting all of these businesses. I would say that it's like Main Street is going online. Right. And you've got all these people that are creating these unique businesses are selling great things. And as soon as they get like any success, that's where you start to struggle. Because once you're going beyond, you know, 20 orders per day, say seems to be that sort of magical point where it goes from, oh, this is, we didn't get that right to absolute mayhem. Yeah. So just by putting a few things in place, which obviously is what we're focusing on, getting your inventory sorted out, getting the process sorted out and how your team can operate really efficiently in the warehouse and then get the, the best shipping rate and make it just, just make it all really easy and just let the technology sort all these complications out for you. You know, we're seeing customers that are doing 15,000, 20,000 orders per day, which think about Ooh, that. That's, man. That is scale of, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars companies, wow. which is pretty impressive. All right. Well, we're going to take a little break. and we come back, we're going to find out how Ship Hero can help you, small, medium, large, whatever size business you have that are having these issues right now. ShipHero.com. We're talking with Nicholas Daniel Richards. You're listening to Entrepreneur Weekly. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Can't get enough of Entrepreneur Weekly? Check out our podcast on iTunes for even more content. Subscribe today. You're listening to Entrepreneur Weekly. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. Is your e-commerce exploding as you would hope it would? Isn't that what you wanted? Well, be careful what you pray for. You may get it. And uh, remember, fulfillment can make you or break you. You're having to compete against Amazon Prime. And uh, failed fulfillment results uh, creates unhappy customers. Then everything goes to hell in a handbasket. Nicholas Daniel Richards is here, co-founder, Ship Hero. Give me the elevator pitch on what Ship Hero does for its customers. Sure. So I guess it's everything that happens after an order is placed on your store. So it's about you, you have to have product. Um, you need to be able to take that order, pick the items, put them in a box, print a shipping label, ship the order out, and then if there's returns, get those returns in and always make sure that you're keeping an accurate track of your inventory, so inventory management, you're shipping your orders, and you're keeping your customers happy. And, and all of that 
there's lots of things in terms of features and, and processes that you can put in place, but at its most simplest form, this is the longest elevator ride ever. Um, <laughs> it's everything after your order is, has been placed. You can handle much easier if you have a system that's taking care of everything. So, is this a kind of a uh, software, kind of a management system, or are you my new shipping guru that we can communicate with you with issues we're having, or are we shipping everything to you and you're shipping it? Let me make sure I yeah, make that so clear. That's that's actually a great question. So, it's a software platform. You, uh, it's all web based. You have apps for mobile devices, so you can have your team using barcode scanners and, and do inventory counting and, and processing orders in your warehouse. It integrates directly into, you know, your store. So if you have Shopify, Big Commerce, if you're selling on Walmart or eBay or Amazon, and what we do is we'll allow you to connect all of those stores and it will synchronize all of your inventory across those stores. So you avoid things like overselling and that is, um, sort of the, the worst case scenario where you sell something to a customer and you don't really have it. That, that makes a very unhappy customer. Right. So it's software, but sort of getting to your, the first part of your question, we also have built something that we know is being used by people that do not obsess about warehouses or fulfillment. They're just trying to run the e-commerce business. So we have a team, we have a customer support team, I'm part of that team. You might be unlucky enough to have to speak to me every now and then. <laughs> um, but we're there to help you. So, you know, we have customers that come to us who are extremely sophisticated and are processing lots of things. And then we have customers that they, as you said, they've exploded. They've now, all of a sudden, they've got 30, 40 orders a day going out the door and they are losing their minds yeah. um, and also losing customers. So we're there not only as software, but we're there to help you answer questions. You know, we, we give you advice on how to lay out your warehouse. We give you recommendations on how to run a process. And we sort of have varying levels. You can just use a software. We also have uh, companies that use our software to do fulfillment for you. So you can use 3PLs that you ship here and you get access to all of the inventory as well. So there's a benefit there. So it's really flexible, and this is why it's so difficult to, I guess, do an elevator pitch, but it's, it's really <laughs> flexible in terms of what you can do. Well, you know what I, what I see is that you guys are like the shipping gurus. You're the shipping information station. You, you know, if, you, if you've got a company, a good example is Life is Good. Of Bert Jacobs. Mm, yeah. um, Bert Jacobs. The, the name now is amazing because he, and he's a t shirt sales guy. He shows up in flip flops and gets up on stage and looks like he should be down on the beach. You know, he's got shorts and flip flops. And, but the dude is doing a hundred million dollars a year in right. t shirts. Life is good t shirts. Right. And it's like, yeah. what? Imagine going from him and his brother were living in their van selling t-shirts to doing a hundred million dollars a year. Now that's, the, that's, that's, that happens in this world today, right? Right. And I would also say, you know, if the Jacobs brothers are interested in using Shapiro, I mean, we're, we're here. No. <laughs> I mean, um, you know, we're, we obsess on this stuff yeah. and it's because our background was running our own e-commerce companies and sort of dealing with, the struggles of, well, how do you get orders out? Like, once you hit a certain number, right. how do we handle returns? How do we make, you know, there's an interesting stat that is over 60% of customers are actually looking at your returns page 
to make sure that returns is easy before they place an order. Wow, right? see? That's a really interesting yeah. stat, yeah. We're living in a different world, and you know, you guys <laughs> at Ship Hero are taking something that's notoriously complicated at a certain point, because it seems easy in the beginning, but then you hit that wall, and you go, uh-oh, we, we've got a lot of business here. And, and you know, I, I remember interviewing one guy that he, he literally, his company was growing so fast, he said, I'll have to hire a thousand employees this year i said how can you do that he said i have to have a staff of people that i hired to hire other people it's it's you know i mean listen if you do things right people you're going to run into problems you never imagined in your wildest dreams and shipping your product out and making sure that you can deal with the returns and all of the stuff that deals you need somebody like ship hero so i'm glad we got to talk to you really appreciate the info the information and the uh shiphero.com nicholas daniel richards yeah thank you one car guy to another uh you know i wish you the best of luck too so we'll, we'll be back in touch again we've got some cars to talk about i'm alan taylor everybody this is entrepreneur weekly we're going to talk to chase jarvis coming up next stay tuned there's more Entrepreneur Weekly after these messages. You're listening to Entrepreneur Weekly. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. Well, it's time now to talk to our friend Chase Jarvis from The Daily Creative. He does a really great job answering your questions. The phone number you can call is 802-962-4357. If you didn't get that, Chase will give it out at the end again. Uh, Chase is here to answer your questions, of course. And um, he's the co-founder of Creative Live, the world's largest and leading online education platform for creatives and entrepreneurs like you and me. Um, you can find Chase and everything he does, of course, at creativelive.com and over 10,000 hours of creative content. So uh, Chase is a big asset to us. So Chase, here is a question from Bobby who's calling in. And Bobby says he always seems to have tons of projects going on at the same time. That makes him an entrepreneur. Bobby would like to know what he can do to keep his projects limited to where they can stay on course and he can focus on just one project at a time until it's completed. So, Chase, that is your question today from Bobby. So, if what you're talking about, Bobby, if what you're talking about is ADD or ADHD, I really, I think being goal-oriented is a very good way to um, mitigate the desire to go all over the place a couple you know a couple of very specific goals now it may be a project it may be um deciding what you want to do make a list of those things and focus on the fewest number of things you can so that you have the most chance of achieving that goal because that's really what a goal is or a habit right it's like making the goal the habit for the day wake up and what can i do to move this thing forward um i believe that that act of deciding that you're going to do something and then applying daily actions towards that is a really good way of, of staying on task. Now, a couple other little hacks. I think I've got some hacks on how to use my time. It sounds counterintuitive. I don't know the science behind this, but reportedly or reputedly, I'm not sure which is the right word to use there. I don't know why I'm thinking this right now, but it actually can be helpful if you have a couple of different projects going at the same time. 
I've heard that the number is either three or I've heard five. doesn't matter, just not that many. And there are ways that you can apply yourself, push, 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 push until you hit a blocker and you're not getting a lot done and move to the next one. Now, it's not, notice it's not an unlimited number of things. It's not like 50 because then you're never getting to get anything done. That's like trying to boil the ocean. But if you can bounce around by, with a couple of projects and you're working on this thing and you get some ideas and you can and then, oh, wow, I'm, gonna pick, I'm blocked over here, but I'm going to pick this project up. And in some cases, this is a portfolio shoot. In other cases, this is like putting your email list together, a list of clients. In other case, it's you know, designing next year's marketing materials. or you know, And you just got a couple of things that you're working on. You're going to move each of those things together sort of in sync as you're inspired by each of them. That only works if you can narrow the set of things that you're working on. So ultimately, I'm an advocate of writing things down. And if you get lost, like, oh, should I be like doing this right now? Is this the best use of my time? Go back and look at the plan that you made to do A, B, C, and D. And if the thing that you're doing now does not help A, B, C, or D, then you're doing the wrong thing. Wrong is maybe not the right word. You're not, you're not really allocating time against the things that you said when you were clear-headed were important to you. Some of this stuff is productivity hacks. Uh, one of my favorite productivity folks or person out there is Tim Ferriss. He does a really good job. Um, don't think you're going to get away with the four-hour work week. That's not how it works. But you know, he and I have talked a lot. If you Google my name and his name, I think all of those are helpful. Now, I'm going to also, as I like to do sometimes, put a bow on this at the end. If you're trying to work with some brain chemistry stuff that you have going on, it's going to be some combination of all these things that I've talked about. Maybe some medication, maybe like it's really understanding how you work. So what can you do to listen to your body and, and basically pay attention, deconstruct the way you work and the way you think? And then how can you build systems that address it and help you be successful? Bobby, I hope that helps. Um, thanks for calling in from Nebraska. Again, I'm Chase. Thank you for sharing this. If you think, if you've got any value out of it, a little bit of share here and there, um, thumbs up, all that stuff is valuable. I enjoy it. But more than anything, it's hoping to have you find a way to forward this to help other people in your community. That would mean the world to me. Um, again, if you want your question on the show, it's pretty easy. And the number is 802-962-4357. And arigato gozaimasu. A man of many languages. Who knew? Well, I'm Alan Taylor. That was Chase Jarvis. This is Entrepreneur Weekly. We'll see you next time right here on your radio station or on your podcast. See you then. This program is copyrighted by Entrepreneur Media Incorporated. 